you know your week's gone the right way when you find a banana that's been written on with Sharpie. everybody to another episode of this is my bourbon podcast i'm your host perry we're back in the bourbon room we're back at the home base with curtis and swan guys welcome back thanks man i'm back well yeah that's true curtis is back swan's been here for a couple weeks yeah i'm sorry i had to miss it yeah i am i'm I'm sorry you had to miss it too it was a great time uh we're actually talking about bourbon on the banks uh which was kentucky's newest bourbon festival and I, I had gushed about it on last week's episode and the actually the episode before that, too. But, man, could not have had a better experience with Bourbon on the Banks. Thought it was an absolutely fantastic time and very well put on. Yeah, it was pretty great. It exceeded every one of my expectations. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But we are back home. And I'm kind of excited about it. We're kind of uh, getting back into our normal groove of uh, doing episodes, and you know, I, I missed it. Yeah, as much fun as festival it's episodes. Been a little bit. It has been. I mean, mm-hmm. gosh, probably like it hasn't been a month yet, has it? Uh, I don't think it's been a month. But Not it's quite been a pretty month, close. but it's, yeah, 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 for sure. But anyway, as much fun as festival episodes are, it's always great to be back. As we do with every episode, we start out with flying blind where the guests are blinded on a pour. They don't know what it is. Guys, this nose is real light. It is very light. <laughs> it's not bad at all, though. It's not bad, but it's clear. it definitely smells like watered-down bourbon. Yeah, it definitely smells like a 80-proof or something low. Can confirm it is 80-proof. Hey. Nope. <laughs> See, and that sucks, too, because immediately I think bottom shelf with 80 proof, and this may not be, but I can't think of anything that would break that exception. Mm-hmm. Except for Basil Hayden. Yeah, yeah. well, there but you this go. is definitely not Jim Beam. It's got, like, have you ever had one of those that's got almost too much oak on it? Yeah. This is it. There's mm. just not much going on past really? the oak for Interesting. Me. I'm not getting much of the oak. I'm just tasting a lot of the uh, kind of the ethanol. More of a corn taste. Yeah, maybe that's it. I'm not quite sure what it is, but it's not. It there is not much complexity to this one. I get, um, I get like a a, a chocolate covered caramel, mm. which is, I mean, very subjective, very specific, very but subjective. very subjective. <laughs> but <laughs> I think that that's kind of what I, that's what I'm picking up at the very least. But at that, it's very one note. Yeah, it is. It's very standard. What are we? What are we drinking? Yeah, I think I have no clue. I definitely clue. think like everyone can agree it has one note, whether whatever you think it is. Like it's not complex. It's not going to like evolve. It's like this is it. No, that could just be a product of the proof. Yeah, that's true. So I figured that because we are in fact doing an E. H. Taylor episode, uh, that I would pour you guys. Old Taylor Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey, which actually, it's funny, Swan, that you said this is not a Jim Beam product. This is a Jim Beam product. What? <laughs> From before, uh, the Taylor brand was bought up 
by Buffalo Trace. Uh, this is six years old, so it's a little bit more vintage. And as I said, uh, it was, well, let's see, what does it say? Distilled and bottled under uh, United States government supervision by the Old Taylor Distillery Company, Frankfurt, Claremont, Kentucky. It just doesn't have that nuttiness to me. I don't quite get the nuttiness either. Um, I wonder what, I, I would like to try a six-year-old beam now at mm-hmm. 80 proof and kind of compare them to see what it would actually be like between the two. Because, I mean, even the four-year-old 80 proof has some nuttiness to it, right? I mean, it's light, but it's still kind of present. And what's funny is, like, the more that we talk about it, the more that I'm kind of letting this roll around in my mouth, uh, the more I'm getting a peanut flavor. That's exactly what I was about to say. (laughs) Like, I was like, all right, get to your point, and then I'm going to say this. (laughs) But no. Shut up, Perry. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly... I let it sat like sit there and on the back of the finish and like as you let it sit, it has like a peanut note. It has that nuttiness. Yeah. Uh, not, very light. Nothing. Nothing. No. Wild it, it, it 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 does kind of take a little bit for that aspect of the finish to kick in, but it, again, it it's not bad. Mm-mm. I don't think that. I mean, of course, it's not the most complex thing in the entire world. But it still has something to it that I think is approachable and I think is worth being explored. Yeah. It's yeah. intriguing. I wonder, and, and this is going to be something I feel like we come back to throughout the rest of the episode. What would Colonel Taylor have said about this product compared to what he was producing in the late 1800s? Mm-hmm. How does it compare to what he would consider or what we would maybe consider his legacy, you know, again, that's something that I really think uh, we should explore throughout tasting these different products in this episode. And we will get to all of that. But first I have to ask you guys, what have you been drinking recently? I opened up that bar, that uh, bourbon karma pick. Did you? I did. Yeah. How did you like it? It's pretty good. You know, I kind of put a lot of this in our, our chat that we had the other day. It is not nearly as rich, but I can see myself sometimes preferring that pick over a 14 and 15-year pick. Yeah, for uh, folks who do not know, that is a what we're talking about is a nine-year-old Knob Creek pick that Tim Gunderman, who is a friend of the show, friend of the podcast uh, as well, had picked while we were at Whiskey Weekend uh, back in April. Excuse me, back in March of this year. Um it's a nine-year-old pick as opposed to some of the 14-year-old Knob Creek picks that are coming out, which I just wanted to give them a little bit of clarity. Yeah, Swan, no. so yeah, go for it. Yeah, it's fine. No, I actually had a, um, I had it side-by-side with a 14-and-a-half-year-old Kroger pick that they did. And at the time, I think I preferred the 14-and-a-half-year. I mean, granted, it's an extra five-and-a-half years on that. Yeah, no so it's, it's easy, to, I guess, to have a preference towards the older stuff. But there's definitely something about that pick that's a little special, and I could see myself wanting that. Uh, and I, I think the biggest difference that I noticed between them is it's not nearly as viscous. I get like a huge like mouth coating with the 14 yeah. and a half. And with that, yeah, I could definitely see sipping on that one. It's maybe hot outside. They're both the same proof. It really shouldn't matter that much, but it definitely does. I mean, I even a sip of water wouldn't get rid of the 14 and a half year old. Five years is a long time for whiskey to continue to go in and out of a barrel. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, it, it is. And then... That, I think, 
you know, we, we can go through all the lists, same mash bill, same proof, you know, same bottle size, whatever. But, you know, at, at the end of it all, you do have to realize that, yeah, it is a good deal older or a 14 year old product is still a good year, a good deal older than mm-hmm. a nine year old product. So, yeah, I mean, I think that it's, you know, kind of to be expected that there is going to be a lot more mouthfeel to it and a lot more to be experienced. But as far as nine-year-old picks go, it's amazing. I think it's really and one of the best nine-year-old Knob Creek picks I've had in a long time. I think I could honestly go pick up just the regular non-pick Knob uh, Creek single barrels. Yeah, and I, it would take me twenty or thirty to get something even close to as good as that one was. So that definitely says a lot about the pick and the artwork's great. Oh yeah, shout out Travis Gins. Yeah, our good buddy. Kurt, just I'll let you try some of that later, too. Yeah, sounds great. But what have you been drinking recently? Uh, I've been having a little bit of a clear the cabinet uh, huh. moment. Okay. I've just had, you know, clearing some of the bottles that, yeah, we're looking at Perry's cabinet. Could you imagine if I did that? We can't really clear his cabinet. Yeah. I would die. It's called suicide. <laughs> it's, oh, you'd die, for sure. Um, but I guess for terms of what clear the cabinet means is... Just like getting rid of those bottles that you really don't want, you know? Ah, okay. The ones that you're like, man, right. I just got to pound these because like, <laughs> it's rough. <laughs> uh, so, I got a few like that. Yeah, exactly. I just need half a fifth of Oregon, Oregon Spirit. Let's just get that out of there. Funny Aww. you mentioned that. Aww, Is that what you've been having? That's what I've been having. Oh, I've been trying man. To, <laughs> I'm trying to get that done. Um, unsuccessfully, we have not finished it yet. Uh, but <laughs> we. We've gotten it down to an approachable level that we can get it done. And then also, I've been having the, uh, is it the old Rippy? The wild, yeah. uh-huh. the wild turkey um, yeah. batch number one. The first I haven't had one. old Rippy in a long time. Yeah, actually, as I revisited it, I thought it was pretty solid. I mean, I, it's not anything wilder by any means. It's not worth the price, but I found it to be pretty... Pretty approachable, pretty yeah. good. Uh, some complexity. That was their first kind of foray into their Whiskey Baron collection. That's the word. I, that's <sighs> what I was looking for. Yeah, along with the uh, uh, the first iteration of Bond and Lillard. Yes. Um, and, you know, I, I think out of that first batch, the old Rippy was the winner. Oh, it was way better than the Bond and Lillard. <laughs> yeah. That's another one I've been trying to... That being said, the WB Sapple... Yes. Puts them all to shame. It yep. absolutely but destroys the them. second year, right? Yes. Yeah, that came out uh, this year. I have not yet replaced my bottle. Was it the 2018 bottle. or 2019? 2019. 2019. Yeah, I have not yet replaced my bottle of it. I keep saying I'm going to do that soon, and I just haven't. Uh, I did something fun last night. Uh, every now and then, I get to go and play a little bit of music for polo matches. Oh, cool. <laughs> Which is really a very strange thing to say. Uh, but I broke out a 2014 bottle of Turkey 101, which I do believe that our dear bourbon finder who was sitting across from me yeah. found. And, uh, you know, I was like, I could bring regular 101 or I could bring this 2014 bottle. And that's what I did. So <laughs> <laughs> I know where some more is. We need it. Yeah, I, I, I very well might. This is one that I still cannot believe I actually have. Um, Swan just looked right up at it. 
Big, big shout out, of course, to Nate Woodruff of Whistlepig, whom you can hear me gush over uh, on the week one of Bourbon on the Banks episode. Uh, but he brought a 15-year-old Whistlepig to the after party of Bourbon on the Banks. No way. And um, there's about half of that bottle left, and he was like, hey, Perry, here you go. I was like... All right. Thanks, man. <laughs> uh, one of the coolest things and one of the most generous things that has happened to me recently in, in bourbon history. My bourbon history. Yeah. You know. Um, well, it's whiskey. It's rye whiskey. It's not bourbon. Anyway, it's a very, very good bottle. Uh, very fortunate to have added that to my collection as well. But yeah, that does it for what we've been drinking recently. Let's move on into this first pour. Of Colonel E.H. Taylor Jr. And this is the small batch bottled and bond release. This is just the standard. Yeah. And it is so good. Yeah. If this is your standard, you've set the bar pretty pretty freaking high. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean it's Well, it is a forty dollar bottle. Yeah, I know, but still, I mean, there's some craft distillers putting out sixty dollar bottles that That's true. don't touch this yeah. at all. It's such a classic nose. I mean, honestly, it's so well-rounded. There's so much balance to it. I think it's just got so much to offer. You know, I, I if, if I were to say, or if somebody were to say, what does bourbon smell like? And I kind of say the same thing about Elijah Craig. Yep, absolutely. I think between Elijah Craig and Taylor Smallbatch, mm. that is what I would point people towards in terms of a classic bourbon profile. I think the Elijah Craig's a little sweeter, whereas the small oh, batch of this is. is more of the spice. Yeah. Yeah, this is more like the tobacco, the spice, the kind of like... The pepper. Yeah, the kind of darker notes, and then the other one is all baked goods. So, I mean, it's yeah. like the two opposite ends of the flavor wheel. But both, both of the options, you're like, that. <laughs> that is it. That is yeah, the bourbon mm-hmm. I want. This definitely, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not a big cigar smoker, but this is like the standard for cigar smokers is almost like, I feel like this would go well with a cigar more so than Elijah Craig. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, <laughs> I mean, I. It, it's funny because I have not yet experienced and, you know, let me know my, the, the, the listeners of the show who are, Koopa. So, yeah, <laughs> who are cigar smokers and, and more into it than I am. But as far as I can tell, there's not necessarily like a one cigar that is kind of the standard or just kind of like, oh, this is what, mm. you know, you expect cigars to taste like. But like, it, 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 it's hard to kind of find that comparison between the two in terms of bourbon and, and the cigars. complimentary. Yeah. yeah. But in this case... If we're talking about pairings, at the very least, yeah. I think this would go much better with a cigar than uh, Elijah Craig would. And I'm just kind of thinking the stereotypical, like, spicy, tobacco-heavy yeah. cigars and everything. More compliment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Than the Elijah Craig. Yeah. He does smoke a lot of cigars, right? Todd Cooper? Todd Cooper does. Yeah, yeah. that's why... I, Todd Cooper. Yeah, that's why I said Cooper. Oh, I, okay. Every, Perry and, it was a little lost on Yeah, me, Perry and Swan just stared at me like, what are you talking Something, about? Yeah. Uh, hey, man. <laughs> no, Todd Cooper does. Yeah. 
I was just thinking Mario Koopa. for yeah, a second. Like the, well, Koopa shells. Oh, the Koopas. Oh. Yeah, yeah that's different from was Koopa. Lost. I, I don't know why. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> anyway, shout up, Todd. Yeah, it's not Cooper. Good dude. Good dude. Anyway, this is very, very good. It is. Yeah, and the 100 proof does it well. It's funny because I had, I had this blind last night. Mm. You were telling me Which about is this. A kind of a funny story. Yeah. Uh, so I went to a place called Buddha Lounge, and uh, we have this, the owner, he, we kind of have this tradition where we come in, and he gives us something blind. Like, just brings it down, me and my friend, gives it a, a blind, you know, bourbon. And then he always wants us to figure out what it is, stuff like that. Well, we didn't find out what it was until he told us. Um but it was the small batch. I was like, really? <laughs> Not w- I wouldn't have picked that at all. And I actually think this bottle is better than the one. This pour, anyway, is a lot better than the one I had last night. It's interesting because I have had really fantastic bottles of Taylor small batch. And I've had some that have just been okay. Not bad. But yeah. they've just kind of been like one note. There's been a little bit that's been good. Like the... um, I'll... I'll refer back to an episode that i did at gosh at this point probably a year and a half ago um where i actually reviewed it um and the 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 one note that we were getting off of it was like a caramel apple but every bottle since then that's been present but it hasn't been the dominant note it's just it, it it's very interesting that even as a small batch it can be so inconsistent yes yeah, small the taylor small batch is like one of the first bourbons i noticed that the longer i let it stay open the longer it changes oh absolutely so like absolutely. with mine i've actually had probably four bottles of taylor small batch just as long as i've been drinking the first one i opened i still have open because i'm letting it just really yeah i'm just change. letting it do its thing so i've only got one bottle right now i've drank all the other three but that one bottle is still open and going and uh I, I probably feel like I've had four or five different whiskeys just in that one bottle because it's kind of changed as That's it's opened That's really up. cool, actually. It's really strange, but cool. And it's also kind of a litmus test for me, knowing that like if it starts to get some weird sour funk to it, then every other bottle you opened around then Are gonna. is probably about <laughs> to hit that same point. Go ahead and start drinking them. I want to talk to you about the fact that this is bottled. Well, it's bottled in bond. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think that there is no more appropriate tribute to Colonel E.H. Taylor than making a product, which is basically his namesake, I, I, after an act that solidified him in the history of bourbon. I mean, the, the Bottle and Bond Act of 1897 was basically his brainchild. He was a huge proponent of it. I mean, he, he got it to the United States government all for the sake of protecting and preserving bourbon whiskey. Yeah, even before we had a lot of rules and stuff from the FDA about food, we were concerned about our whiskey. <laughs> How many years do you think it was before we actually put forth uh, uh, an act to protect our food? At least 20. It had to be something like that. I'm going to go with uh, 15. It was 9. 
So not as long as you would anticipate, okay. but still way too still long. Still pretty long. It was when still, you're... Yeah, exactly. So you know, you do the math. It was 1906 by the time that the FDA actually decided that they should put some kind of you know regulations around food, you know, meat and poultry and and, and everything, just to make sure that there wasn't yeah. salmonella just wreaking havoc on <laughs> on, <laughs> on their food. Yeah. But you know, in the late 1800s, people really wanted to protect their whiskey, and so. You know, Colonel Taylor had faith in it, and I I always kind of say that, you know, he saved bourbon, and it wouldn't be without him that we could enjoy it the way that we do now. And the fact that, you know, Colonel E.H. Taylor Small Batch is bottled as a bottled and bond product, I think that's perfect. It is, and they're carrying that legacy through today. A lot of their... A lot of their stuff they're putting out now is still 100 proof, uh, bottled mm-hmm. and bond. And then even uh, Castle and Key now that's on their old premises has yeah. decided to come out with a bottled and bond as their first thing just yeah. to pay tribute to the distillery. Sorry, I'm I'm no, really yeah. I'm really enjoying the uh, the packaging on this too. And I, well, what, what, sorry, I, I, I'm going to let you finish. But um, what's really cool about this is that the, the packaging on the Taylor bottles now is basically a replication of what the old Taylor bottles looked like in the early 1900s. Oh, it definitely was. Yeah. And I know this for a fact, <laughs> and I've seen it with my own eyes. Like, not the full, not the actual bottle, but, so, funny story, I am doing a rebrand of something, of a concession and at Keeneland, and I was sitting there, and I was like, it's a concession stand that it's a bourbon bar. And I go, we have this Keeneland library that has tons and tons of history. And I said, how cool would it be if we can find ads, bourbon ads, to brand this thing? Oh, my gosh. And Heck yes. Yeah. So they start. So I get a call, and uh, the librarian says, hey, because of the Copyright Act, we can't use any ads before 19 it was like 1935 or something she was like so and then we have prohibition so we have to even go back even further i was like okay cool like what what do we have did you find some like can you even find some in 1900 we found a bourbon ad of old taylor and it looks exactly like this bottle that's so cool like look at this that oh, is, that's right. You sent that. Yeah, I sent oh. it to you guys. That's oh, wild. It looks I love exactly, it so much. It looks exactly like the bottle. And uh, I'll, I'll uh, let Perry like put it up on the show notes or oh, something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll share it. You know what? Honestly, I might share it on Instagram. Yeah, that's uh, that's cool. The, the day that this comes out. Yeah. And um, it, or in the group or something. And it says, the Old Taylor, the premier Kentucky whiskey, bottled and bond, yellow label, E.H. Taylor, Jr. and Sons. Do you guys still feel like this is the premier Kentucky whiskey? Kentucky bourbon. I mean, I feel like we've we've had a lot of bourbon over the past two years of doing the doing this show. We've had so many different things. But does this, if we if we talk about that ad in particular, does this kind of live up to that claim of the premier Kentucky whiskey? I Honestly, it's hard to say that because, I mean, there's so many people that think Kentucky, 
bourbon, bourbon, pappy. Like that's just kind of the lineage they, they follow. And it, I mean, they always go for the, the crazy overhyped stuff. And not that this is sitting on the shelves by any means, most places. Oh no. Uh, but it's it's still it seems like it's kind of leaned towards in recent it, the the weeders you know everyone goes nuts over picking up the the Weller the the Pappy you know mm-hmm. when they can get it. Um, that being said, if I'm just talking about iconic bottles, this is definitely up there. I mean, every single time I see one of those Manila colored tubes sitting in a shop, I'm like, I know what that is. My first thing yeah. is. Which release is it? Because if it's something special, I'm getting it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd almost argue that some of the more sought-after releases from Buffalo Trace or any of the non-standard, which I would consider about four of the E.H. Taylor releases to be standards, and the rest of them are kind of special, getting those is much harder, in my opinion, than getting a bottle of you know Old Rip Van Winkle 10. Mm-hmm. So it may not be the most iconic and associated with bourbon but anybody that's into bourbon this is one of those steps that they're definitely going to take you know they've got the you know 80 proof then the woodford and then they move on this is like step three four and they're going to hit this step and just from a historical sense that's i mean i think it definitely has to be an iconic bottle you know even past the taste even past the profile stuff like that i think that Something that that has not really been explored by Buffalo Trace is advertising. They they don't advertise in the same way that a lot of big distilleries in Kentucky do. We drive around, we see billboards for Four Roses, we see we see billboards for for Maker's Mark, but it seems like Buffalo Trace is that essence of if you know you know it's very word of mouth it is Mm -hmm. yeah anything past just their standard buffalo trace yeah i've seen multiple buffalo trace it seems like they market buffalo trace bourbon a lot just the standard release but you don't see much of the any any of the other products like you don't see much of blanton's you don't see Oh no! You know? Oh no! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Look, they're not man, having. I mean, it, it, it's hard to find anything Buffalo Trace related anymore. Yeah. You could find the standard easy. Well, now you can. Yeah. I, I mean, there there was a good year and a half to two years where it was virtually gone from from liquor store shelves, but yeah, now it's now it seems to be back. Oh, yeah. are you ta- you're talking about demand of like Buffalo Trace stuff? supply and demand sorry i i'm just talking about i'm talking like seeing ads and marketing and oh, stuff. oh I thought okay that's what i'm sorry i apologize we were talking about two different things yes we were <laughs> i was like <laughs> i've seen the standard ads like all the time i i guess i i guess i don't see them as much they're there and i don't know why uh, I, I, the ads fair anyway enough. fair enough mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. but no, only the standard nothing else I, I only ever see ads for the standard and the the Buffalo Trace bourbon cream. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. But even then, it was like a poster that somebody had, and then they did like the uh, the ten posters you'll sometimes see at liquor stores. It's like uh, just 
a Buffalo thing that they've got stuck in the window. I mean, that's about all I've, I've seen, yeah. but they don't have to. Cause if I saw a billboard and this is no offense to Buffalo trace, but if I saw a billboard with the entire Weller lineup and it was just like, find me at whatever store. And I'm just like, Oh, you're kidding. Right. Like this is <laughs> yeah. not, it's you not can't really market that. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't think they're, they're pressed to do it because they know that just reminding people of bottles that it's going to be hard to find is kind of just, it's hard. It's rude. Almost. <laughs> I guess uh, one thing they could say is like, catch me if you can, or like, you know, something <laughs> to that matter. Yeah. There's Tom Hanks chasing Leonardo DiCaprio. But they are making progress. They're doing a huge expansion right now. Mm-hmm. And then on top of it, um, just from being a person that's worked in a liquor store, I've seen uh, Buffalo Trace go from it was hard to get the standard release on the shelf. Will you hand me the other bottle? Yeah. That we just had? It was hard to get the other, like the standard release back onto the shelf. And then probably about four months ago, they just said, as much as you want, we'll give it to you. You can order as much as you want for the most part. Yeah. And I mean, Eagle Rare has kind of become the new, if we get it in type thing. It's no longer just the Buffalo Trace. Uh, and that's at least in Kentucky. I'm sure if you go out west and stuff, it's probably still hard to find, you know, Buffalo Trace just sh- sitting on the shelf. So, yeah. The packaging label felt different at first, but I think it's just the difference in... Oh, you're talking about... Yeah, so so we just uh, poured the single barrel of the E.H. Taylor. This is oh. so different. It is oak and rose heavy. Yeah. Like rose water. So I was a little skeptical to buy one of these because I had just gone over to Chad's and he had let me try his bottle right. of E.H. Taylor the single barrel. The wet hay bottle. <laughs> that was one of the first ones... <laughs> That he poured me when I went over there, and I just, I couldn't even finish it. I was like, Chad, you're going to have to take this back. I can't do it. And then, not even two weeks later, I probably stumbled upon a couple of bottles of this for sale at a decent price, and I was like, I'm just never going to see it again. I want to complete the collection, Buffalo Trace. You know, I've lived in Frankfurt my whole life. I just, I got to do it. I came home. I didn't even open the bottle for like a month and a half and just sat there. And I was just telling myself I don't need it. The second I opened it, it is wildly different in such a good way. Oh, man. I'm getting like a, on the nose, the rose water definitely. I'm also getting a bit of like a, like a morning dew. I actually understand. Yeah, I totally get that. That's so specific. But like you walk out and it's like morning dew. Mm-hmm. So that this is foggy day, like yeah. This is one of my favorites because, like I said, growing up in Frankfurt, when I, I used to, this is gonna sound ridiculous. I I went to daycare for the longest time, and every morning at like nine a.m. As soon as you he got was eighteen in, when he stopped going to daycare. Yeah, last week <laughs> was right, wild. Man. I got left right, <laughs> left on the doorstep, <laughs> and uh, as soon as you got in, they'd send you outside. So there'd just be dew all over the grass, and the whole place on Wednesday mornings would smell like mash because we were right down the road from the distillery. It smells exactly yeah. like this. This is a mm-hmm. bottle of nostalgia for me. I mean, it's that's amazing. wild. Just that I pointed out, I got dew, and yeah. then you had like an association with both of those things. Yeah, it just smells like every time they let the mash go in the morning. This is a good bird. It's really, really good. The palate expands on the nose in such a really interesting way, where it like. It takes everything that is on the nose and it kind of points out the hints that you might have missed before. 
So it's kind of like a, a a seek and find yeah. kind of game. Like you might have little bits of hints, you know, splattered throughout. Mm. But it's not until you see the bigger picture that you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. And the big one for me is that on the palate, I taste dark berries. Yep. It's like a berry medley. Yeah. And once I taste that and I go back to the nose, then I find it there. Like it's it's totally present on the nose, but not as much so as if I hadn't gotten into the palate to kind of find some of those notes. The finish though is like straight caramel and oak. I mean, yeah. it, it with a little and bit smoke. of smoke. Yeah, a little bit of savoriness to it as well. I think that smoke is kind of a product of the the char mm. from the barrel. So yeah, oh, I, it, I, no doubt it is. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you. But like, I I identify that more as the um, the barrel char. Yeah. Than I do um, directly smokiness. Yeah. Mm. yeah, 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 yeah. Which that's an interesting note to talk about too, is the difference between char and oak and smoke. Yeah. Do you think they're one and the same? Do you think that you, if you smell smoke, you only it's char, or do you taste the char and have a note? A smoke I flavor? I think they're two different things. I think the char is a product of of the the oak being fired. Yeah. I think the smoke is a byproduct of the char, yeah. but the char is not the byproduct of the smoke. Right? Yeah. You know what helps me with that is if when somebody actually does like ribs where they've just put it on a charcoal grill yeah. and then somebody that smoked them mm-hmm. the taste difference in that is wild different but it's very difficult to explain yeah but there's a there's a definite difference and it's the same way with with the bourbon especially with this being kind of that savory darkness mm-hmm. stuff that's going on it you it's got that difference in it yeah it's like is it the char is it like smoked meats i guess that maybe yeah maybe be a better it's char I mean, it's definitely yeah. like a char, a charred yeah. flavor. Look at how viscous. Dude, that's like so semantics, is. really. Swan, uh, you said the viscous viscosity. Yeah. Yeah, it is got some really, really nice legs to it. That is nuts. And the nose is so approachable. The palate and the finish is where it lets you know the proof. I love the finish on this one. Yeah. That's something I've kind of really latched onto recently. Finishes is the finishes. Of, of bourbons and whiskeys and just how how great they are at extending the life of a really good bourbon. I mean, it just gives you more and more to kind of enjoy and, and walk through. And this is no different. I love this. <laughs> I so do much. Too. Yeah. <laughs> 10 out of 10 swan feathers. I love it. <laughs> it's going to be hard to top that. Well, that's interesting that you say that because we're actually about to switch gears a little bit. We're going to attempt to top it. Or I mean, just maybe. Switching, or just switching gears. Like, is it different? Yeah, um, we're going to be drinking um, <laughs> Elijah Craig Barrel Proof now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, we're moving on to the E.H. Taylor Straight Rye. Ooh. That's a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. We are switching. Ooh, gears. Swan. So, Swan provided, I will, I will be honest with you, Swan provided most of the bottles. Here tonight um in this case this is pretty dang full dude that's my second one i bought two for a while i was actually making cocktails with that stuff 
It made it... Swan. No, I, I know it sounds crazy, but it, it legitimately but makes a the, very, very good old-fashioned. I believe you. I can, yeah. Because I, I had bought some uh, Woodford Spice Cherry Bitters, and then I had mm. some Orange uh, Angostura Bitters, and then this mixed with just a muddled sugar cube. It was great. Whoa. Well, that nose is way different. Oh, yeah. No, this I mean, is it left is a field. rye whiskey. Swan, do you know, uh, since they call it straight rye, is it 100% rye? I have no clue. I honestly don't know. Uh, let's look it up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> left field. Okay, yeah, I'm not finding anything. Getting, Which is unfortunate. I, I, I assume that by saying straight rye, it just means that it is a straight rye whiskey. But. Yeah. No. Well, there's not a ton of information on it, but with the nose, it does kind of lean to me like more of 100% or at least a higher. Yeah. It's like straight caramel popcorn on the nose. See, I'm getting like a chocolatey, like a chocolate coffee. Like a... Nah, it's like... You, you know those big metal tins of caramel popcorn that you get at Christmas time? Yes. That's yeah. what I that's what I get on the nose. I get that too. It's like a much more refined, and this is not a, a slight to them because I didn't like the other one, <laughs> but the, the Dickel 13. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. It's, got, it's a little reminiscent of that, but in a, it's much more refined, but that's good. I was making cocktails with this? What the hell what was is that? What is wrong with you? <laughs> It's been a hot minute since I've had this. Wow. You want to sample when I leave? <laughs> I'm very well might. I mean, I'm doing this little suicide, too. Of uh... That's true. You're going to have a rye kick in that now. Maybe. We're going to find out. This is amazing. Mm-hmm. It is, I would say, the bourbon drinker's rye. In that it, it doesn't really... So... It, it doesn't really present a, a rye spice or a rye flavor until the back end of the palate, into the finish. That's when the mintiness, the clove spice kind of starts to come through. But like otherwise, I think it's just so... It, it's sweet. Mm-hmm. It's got an inherent sweetness to it on the front and middle of the palate that is so approachable for a new rye drinker who may have been more of a bourbon drinker prior to trying this. Yeah. And I think that's why, because I remember, you know, it's been almost two years now when I had this for, when I had this the last time and just thinking how much I really, really enjoyed it. But at the time I was just drinking bourbon, you know, and I had this and was like, well, shoot, maybe I like rye coming back to it. I mean, I, I can kind of see those same sentiments, but knowing what rye whiskey does taste like, you know, I I understand this now more as the the bourbon drinker's rye. I mean, it seems like it's just kind of the next step after after Pikesville to me, just as in, it seems like it's got a higher rye content. The proof is not there, because I mean, you're going from what, 114 on the Pikesville to this being uh-huh. 100? But this this just drinks so mellow, and it definitely still carries out that rye spice, and I'm not missing anything on the finish. Isn't, correct me if I'm wrong, 
Isn't Pikesville a barely legal rye? It's a 51%, yeah. That is what kind of makes me think that this is a higher rye content mm-hmm. rye whiskey. I could see that. I almost want to compare this to Baby Sats. We can do that. Yeah. I wanted to see like just how this compares. I mean, I feel like it's got to be relatively similar. But uh, this has got an extra, what, 10 proof points on it? Yeah. Uh-huh. I, so full disclosure, um, I just cleaned up the studio today before you guys came over and, uh, one of the bottles that was sitting out was baby Saz and I was like, oh, I haven't had this in a while. So I poured a little bit. I think that this has a lot more rye spice to it Really, at, at the very least on the nose. Um, palette wise, I think they're probably about equal. I think where this probably shines through a little bit more, and I would say it's a product of the proof, uh, is that the the rye shines through more on the finish than uh, it 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 does with the baby sass. Hmm. Okay. I do yeah. like this though. I'm not making any more cocktails Mm-mm. with it. That's for sure. Oh, I really <laughs> like this. And to say that this is like a bourbon's, like bourbon drinkers rye, is I think really spot on because. From my perspective, is I haven't really ventured into the world of rye that much, um, and to this, this is like, I think my first, and this is crazy, my first rye was Whistle Pig, and I wow. think that's a huge, huge wow. jump. <laughs> Just a little. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I wish I would have had this a little more to acclimate my palate. I'm gonna need another bottle of this. I don't yeah. even know where I ISO this. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. I don't even know what happened to that first bottle of whistle pig I bought. I don't wanna say I don't think I gave it away to somebody, but I think I was like offering pours. Oh, don't feel bad. We can always go back to me with my Elijah Craig barrel proof experience. <laughs> hey oh. <laughs> yeah, that's true, that's true. <laughs> I gotta be honest with you. I still feel really bad about that. It's all good, man. But at the same time, you were like, "Yeah, all right." Well, I mean, obviously, it's been a while since I've had this, and everyone kind of moves on from what they started with. And I started mixing Elijah Craig Barrel Proof when I started getting to the higher proof stuff with Coke, uh-huh. and I mixed this into cocktails. So, obviously, I've gotten to the point I just prefer it straight, which is great, because it's almost like having two different experiences entirely, you know, with the same whiskey. So, yeah. that's that, nothing wrong with it. People I, yeah, grow I, out of it. I think people are too quick to criticize on those kind of things. Like, yes, should you have? Probably not. Yeah. But it's like, it's just all throughout learning. the journey and like talking and you know it's all about learning yeah about learning and learning through what you like and what you don't and making the mistake <laughs> you know about the only thing that i kind of like from the get-go knew was not my thing and i didn't see how other people did it was uh have you ever heard people refer to ice as the good ice where it's like the little small chipped like sonic ice yeah Oh, that's not good with whiskey, though. If you put that in whiskey, I'm immediately like, what are you doing? Because <laughs> at that point, you're just I mean, asking do to water want, down. But... Yeah, at that point, you're asking to water down your stuff. But if that's what you want, maybe you got a barrel proof <laughs> that's way too hot, and that's your way of watering it down. So the last part of this. Uh, before... And you definitely, <laughs> sorry. You can so tell. You went to, like, 
Circle K and got the like six, <laughs> the hundred and twenty ounce like styrofoam polar pop. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you put yeah. just like half and half, like Mountain Dew, <laughs> half like Colonel E. H. Taylor. Oh, Mountain Dew! No. I know people who have done it. Come on, I've folks! Heard people, no, I've heard people Get do it together. It makers. I think uh, I remember Sarah saying something about that. I don't think she. Oh yeah, did her, it, her, family her family mixes did it. Uh, uh, Mountain Dew and Makers. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, as we move into the last bit of this episode, it's time to get a little uh, get a little barrel proof crazy. Mm-hmm. It's E. H. Taylor barrel proof. Now, question. Yes. Do you guys like barrel proofs? Never had them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With Coke. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this one always, when people tell me that they get a floral note on things, this is where my mind goes back to. I always get a very heavy floral note on this one. I get a really savory note on the nose here. Oh, yeah. Like a salted pretzel. A soft salted pretzel. Mm. It's... I miss this one. This isn't usually my Christmas pour. Like, I have this every Christmas. Since I've had the bottle. It's a good pour, man. Yeah. So this one, because they do change every year. This is the 2017 release. Which I believe is 128... or Yeah, it's 128.1. Yes, correct. Um, So it's going to be different every year highly sought after stuff these don't sit on the shelf this is basically in my mind like finding an extra bottle of antique i mean it's just not going to happen so you you do this is one that you definitely will wait outside for in the cold and uh hopefully get maybe a lottery or something Exceptional mouth feel. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. It is so viscous. The finish, too. Oh, my gosh. Where this really shines for me is the front end of the palate and the back end into the finish. Mm-hmm. And it is... It's, it's so robust with flavor. Mm-hmm. Dang it, man. <laughs> It's good. This is such yeah. a good bottle. It's so good, man. This is one of those where I, I always kind of go, you know, I'd really like a bottle, but, you know, there's other stuff that I would rather have. And then I kind of regret not getting it. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? But in this case, like the more that I have it, the more that I go, I should probably be on the lookout for a bottle of this. You know, I feel like people would be even more eager than they already are to pick this up is if they took an antique collection bottle where they do like the nice wrapping on the back and like just the small logo on the front with the clear. If they did an E.H. Taylor with his signature on there and put it on one of those bottles and kind of made it like that and just added a six to the antique collection because this deserves it in my mind. It is is definitely up there with the quality that they, they want in their antique collection. I do think that's interesting on the lineup of the antique collection. Like, do you think the Eagle Rare antique collection? It's one of the most sought after. 
Is it really? Yeah, it is probably the most because I think they every year I think that one is the one that's produced the less or the least out of huh. the the five. Okay. And uh, this past year was even more so because I think they took it from a ninety proof seventeen year to a hundred and one proof seventeen wow. year. Okay. Um, well, maybe uh, I'm just totally wrong. <laughs> I, I guess I'm totally wrong. No, I mean it's it doesn't seem like it should really fit in that lineup. Yeah, it just seems like hey. We have a standard offering Eagle Rare. Yeah. But then in our antique collection, we're going <laughs> to well, keep like that, up with, like, you would think, like, E.H. Taylor would would kind of be up there rather than that. But. Mm-hmm. And it could just be they're playing it back to Heritage. They want to keep it with the tax stamp. They want to keep the hand-labeled in the tube. They just can't change it up. But, I mean, like, even the, the Sazerac, which Baby Saz, to me, is still that weird, chunky little bottle. Mm-hmm. And, uh... They've got a, a Sazerac uh, that comes out every year, and that's probably the second most limited one in the entire bunch. I mean, I've yet to be able to purchase one of those, but I've been able to get George T. Stagg, the Handy, and the William LaRue Weller. But I've never seen a, a Sazerac or a Eagle Rare for sale unless I was holding a little ticket and knowing they're not going to call my name. Yeah. I mean, it's just part of it. So here's the funny thing about why they don't have E.H. Taylor Barrel Proof in the antique collection. If they did, it would basically be Stag. Really? It's okay. the same Ash Bill. That's true. Same All thing, right. same thing with Eagle Rare. So, you know, there there is no Eagle Rare Barrel Proof because it would be Stag. It would be E.H. Taylor Barrel Proof. That being said, I think that, you know, when they do the antique collection, the fact that they are doing, you know, the Eagle Rare now um, at the 17-year 101 proof, I think that's interesting. I think that is something totally different um, that they are doing with their lineup. Yeah, it is really limited, but at the same time, you know, I mean, it it offers something different with that mash bill that that is not available with anything else in their product line yeah and there's a lot of people too that i would say are almost more proud of their buffalo trace collection having eh taylor lineup in full than they are even getting the antique collection because people that have that oh yeah warehouse c tornado survivor the seasoned wood that, the that cured oak yeah that's an important thing we have to talk about too is that you know we unfortunately do not have every product <laughs> from the E.H. Taylor line yeah. right now. And, you know, what's funny is that the last time we all did an episode together, it was a 1792 episode, and we didn't have a bottle of the 12-year. Well, now we're doing an E.H. Taylor episode, and we don't have a bottle of the Amaranth. So, true. It's like it's like we just keep barely missing the mark. <laughs> maybe one day we'll get we'll, there we'll have a couple of bonus episodes to make up for not having those but that being said we'll have an oops we missed these episodes <laughs> close but no <laughs> we'll call it the horseshoes or hand grenade episode I love that <laughs> keep up with that anyway uh, yeah we don't have the entire collection um I mean, we don't have the four grain. We don't have uh, the tornado survivor, um, old fashioned sour mash. Yeah, exactly. So, 
you know, this is not all encompassing, but as far as what I would consider the more accessible products in the E.H. Taylor line, I think that, you know, this is a really good representation um, of what you can expect from it. So can I throw a curveball on this for just a second? I would be happy if you did. Can we do um, like a 107 and like a small batch or a single barrel? Uh, I, I think we can, Swan. Let's make our own four grain. <laughs> I would love to do that. Easy. Okay. Let's make our own E.H. Taylor four grain. What, look, we had one more barrel proof to try, but we'll we'll finish out the episode with that. So, I actually haven't had many Colonel E.H. Taylor. But man, now whenever I see a bottle, I'm going to grab it. And getting the whole lineup is hard. Yeah. I, and I'm not even saying that. I just mean, like, if I see it, I'm going to get it. Yeah. Well, and the cool thing is, if you visit Frankfort, Kentucky, and you go to the distillery, I'd say once a month, maybe every month and a half, they have this in the distillery for you to buy. Wow. Yeah. So they, they actually expanded their liquor license not too long ago to be able to carry this, along with regular Buffalo Trace, the Bourbon Cream, the Wheatley Vodka, Clicks Vodka, and uh, now they carry E.H. Taylor and Blanton's on occasion. Huh. And E.H. Okay. Uh, e. Taylor, if you find it at the distillery, is $43. Can't beat that. Yeah. It's a 175. <laughs> it's a 175. I got a handle. <laughs> Whoa. It's a 175. All right. So what are you thinking? You want to do half and half? I think that's probably the best way to do this. Okay. I mean, I can't imagine that. I don't know. I mean,. He... That's the thing about the four grain is that we don't know exactly what the mash bill is. <sighs> I'm going to go light. Okay. It's got the fun stopper in there anyways. It does. <laughs> but my, my inclination, though, is that, yeah, in this case, we should probably do half and half. I just don't know any other way to approach it. Just so that anyone could repeat this if they got the stuff at home. I think so, I too. I think it would probably be easy. Yeah. Poured way too much there. So the fun stopper is not great at stopping the initial fun. It's only <laughs> it's only good at stopping continuous fun. Continuous fun, yes. <laughs> like, not bad for one pour. But, but if you're trying to do something different. If we're doing half and half, you may as well throw the fun stopper out the window. Has anyone actually had the four grain? I'm not. I cannot say that I have. I got to have it once. What? I got to have it once. Really? Yeah. Tim, our wine and spirits manager, actually got a bottle, and he opened it. Let me have a small little bit of his sample that he had left. Because poor Tim decided that he was going to go hunting with some of his buddies, and he was going to open the bottle, and did not realize (laughs) that they just thought, this is bourbon. No, no, no. It is special. (laughs) And it was gone that night. We've had this conversation before, I think. But man, how terrible is that? How annoying does that get sometimes? I have gotten to the point that I realize how annoying it is. And if I'm going to bring a bottle somewhere, I'm prepared to not bring it home. Yeah, Yeah. that's how I feel too. I guess it's like I'm fully... It's fully my fault that I'm doing it. Because you know. You're like, you know these people will not... Like you have to accept responsibility. Yeah, you gotta it. accept responsibility for it. But man, it's still kind of annoying. Like if you go and you're like, "Hey, I brought this. I just want you guys to know, like this is something 
special, and they just like pound it. Just me? No, mm-hmm. no, no, I no. I totally, I, I feel the exact same way. Um, but I mean, that's why. It, same with Swan. If I'm taking a bottle somewhere, I don't expect to yeah. come home with it. <laughs> you have to lower your expectations. <laughs> that's why I generally bring stuff like Wild Turkey 101. Yeah. If I don't come home with it, big whoop, you know? Um, but I mean, stuff that I won't take all over the place is like the bottle of LLGC Rare Breed that I've got. Oh, yeah. That's at home. That's for me. <laughs> you know? Nobody getting that. Nobody's getting that one. But at the, the same nose. time, as we always say, there will always be more bottles of bourbon to be shared. Sure, sure. Oh, yeah. No, it's almost gone. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I just want the last little bit for, for me. Yeah, you know? no, no, no. Yeah. Be selfish in that. Well, in I that don't. Case. I don't care if like they they drink a lot of it. I just want them to know, like, hey, this is special. Isn't, yeah, this is special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. Yeah. I get that. Oh, like when Dane, you gave him some of that lot B. Oh, I gave him the. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I gave him Van Winkle twelve year lot B, and I was like, hey, this is special, and he was like, okay, and knocks it back. I was like, dude, <laughs> it's not benchmark. Calm down. We're not, yeah. Different story for a different time. But I love the nose on this. I do too. It's a little ethanol heavy for me, but I'm not actually in the Glencairn. I've got it in my little uh, four. Oh, I went Glencairn. That's, I guess that's my problem. Here we go. We're going Glencairn. Yeah, Switch gonna... it over. I, I haven't smelled it in the rocks glass like you guys mm, did. No, that way mellows it out. I was going to say, I, I imagine that the, the Glencairn actually That's eliminates the ethanol. Yeah. Yeah. So this would be at what? one? If we did it half and half, 103.5? Yes. What, do I need to come up oh. with like a mascot and call it a radio station too? <laughs> <laughs> I, do, I, I like the nose a lot too. I think that it is a little bit caramel heavy. I would say, but I think that it is so approachable um, as a nose. It definitely does not deter me uh, in terms of <laughs> wanting to try it. Not at all. Oh, that is good. It canceled out a lot of the rye spice that I genuinely enjoyed from it. But, yeah. you know, I think if you're looking for a four grain, that's kind of what you're looking for. You're looking to kind of mellow out some of that rye spice so that you don't have such a dominant grain. Um, <laughs> you need know. some time to sit. I think. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure about this right now because I so like front of the palate is like cotton candy, not bad, but the back end is a lot more like cherry cough syrup, and it's definitely missing some of the bolder oakier notes that I was kind of hoping the, the tailor would bring forth. I don't, I, I don't know. I wouldn't say this is a failed experiment, but I think in this case, it's a good indication of why they do the blending and we don't. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Why master blenders are master blenders. Well, we also took two minutes that's true. To let it sit. Yeah, <laughs> like that's true. We aren't really like giving it enough time. I don't think. I really do love the nose. I, I that's think what I was. Yeah, really, the nose really on good. this is very very good. I get the cough syrup on the back, back of the palate, more on the finish. You have to think too. So, 
a four grain product is not necessarily two different three grain products blended together. Mm-hmm. It is a mash bill that once it goes into the barrel, yeah. it is four grains. Yeah, it got, right. It got time to mingle. Yeah, exactly. Like six to eight years yeah. to mingle. <laughs> but <laughs> in, six to eight seconds. <laughs> in this case, we're taking two different mash bills and blending them together. So yeah, the outcome's not gonna be perfect. It's not gonna be what we kind of hoped it would be, but in this case, I don't think it's a bad outcome. It's just not it's just not not perfect. Yeah. Have you actually made a blend of a four grain that you really enjoyed? Didn't I? I'm trying to remember. Because I remember you made my favorite you've made so far is the one that you did with the maker's cast strength. Oh, that weeded blend. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That was really good. I'm going to have to revisit that one. But I've tried mixing, like, Old Granddad 114 and Weller Special Reserve, and it just was not not great, you know? <laughs> it's just something Didn't with somebody it. somebody else do that and recommend it to us? Yeah, I think so. And it could have just been I had the ratios off or didn't give it time to sit or something, but I just did not care for it. But four grains are so picky. Mm-hmm. And I even remember when Perry and I started drinking, I asked him about it. I was like, is there something that has a weird like blend to it? And he's just like, yeah, but every four grain I've tried, I've not liked. And then, you know, as soon as bourbon started getting crazy and finishing became all the rage and weird mash bills kind of became a little more prevalent. Some of the four grains I've tried that have been produced as four grains, I've enjoyed, but I've yeah, still I have yet not really found one that I really like blending. So maybe that'd be something good for the audience. Give us some four grains that you guys have blended, and we'll see if maybe we like those, because yeah. I've just not found one I've liked. At least with blending two completed bourbons together with a specific ratio, I've not, not found one I've enjoyed. I think when we do our next blind blend episode Mm -hmm. i think it would be really cool to do a four grain blend can you hand me some of the straight rye yeah i'm gonna add a splash of that in there i mean it's not my bottle so it's all you but (laughs) (laughs) make another cocktail over here (laughs) we talk about this it's something i don't know not in a good way i don't think so (laughs) (laughs) kurt Curtis is uh, actively chewing this one. <laughs> it's a little funky. Mm-mm. Nope. Mm-mm. I have messed up. Mm-mm. I have messed up bad. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh no. Okay. <laughs> you said something about another barrel proof? <laughs> God. That's like... Oh, dude. I just need to extend a warm thank you to Harlan Wheatley for not doing what I just did. <laughs> But you know what? He probably at one point went, hey, this would be really great to try together. And then it wound up not being good. But that's what we do is we learn through trial and error. I right? actually <laughs> really like the way Buffalo Trace approaches some of their experimental stuff. Because they put out a single oak project and then they put out their experimental collection where they do some weird stuff. And they put it out and they actively market it as an experiment. And then... There's yeah. other people that put it out and charge a premium for it. That stuff is not really expensive That from Buffalo Trace. You get a little 375 of like a six grain and you try it and you're like, this is <laughs> it's something. Yeah. But you know, they put it out and they didn't charge through the roof for it. And then when one really, really is good, they put it out 
under the E.H. Taylor label. They make it bottled in a bond, and it's phenomenal when it yeah. comes out, and people oh, go yeah. nuts over it. Because I have to imagine that Amaranth at one point was just like, you know, some crazy idea. That they're like, this will never work, but we'll put it in a small little barrel. We'll throw it in there and see <laughs> right. what it does. And then one day now it's becoming a E.H. Taylor <laughs> or the seasoned wood or the cured oak that they did. I'm sure we're just crazy theories that they tried. There's so many different avenues that the E.H. Taylor line has gone down that I, I haven't even had a chance to enjoy or to experience. Yeah. Like, I would love to try the Tornado Survivor bottle. I mean, think about that. It literally opened that distillery like a can opener, or that warehouse like a can opener, and then just they let it age and restored the building around it yeah. and put it out. And now it's like, other than the old-fashioned Sour Mash, the most sought-after E.H. Taylor. Oh, yeah. Everybody says, though, that there was already something special about that one. Mm-hmm. And it just so happened that they could release it in the way that they did. I guess. I mean, it's <laughs> there's something special about a tornado in Frankfurt anyway. Yeah. It's just because we live in a valley. So it's pretty much like we get True. a tornado warning and True. then it's just like, poof, gone. Yeah. <laughs> Never again. Never again. I mean, it's in the middle of a ginormous valley that, right there. That really is kind of like a serendipitous moment. But also not serendipitous. <laughs> <laughs> like serendipity implies positivity. Yeah. But in this case, I guess it did a little bit. <laughs> Millions in damage, and I'm sure they charged an extra twenty bucks for it. And then people are on secondary, like, "I'll take twelve hundred, please." Like, yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I think the serendipity is on maybe the buyer <laughs> of the initial bottle. Yeah, not the actual tragedy. <laughs> yeah. If I'm going back to the barrel proof, so uh, this is actually the 2018 barrel mm-hmm. proof E.H. Taylor, which was 129.7 proof. Uh, Swans, again, was 128.1. If I'm comparing the two, really just kind of off of memory, I would say that this is a little bit lighter on the nose. It is. Mine was a little more, had a bit more of a grip on you. And it definitely had more of like a savory and kind of a yeah floral, almost a little bit of, of like dark fruit in there as well. Yeah. Kind of getting into that stag range a little bit. And this one's more of like a classic E.H. Taylor. Maybe it's more missing, Taylor, yeah. Yeah, just maybe For missing sure. a little bit of that darker tobacco note that I get on a lot of it. So much caramel. You know what it reminds mm-hmm. me of? It reminds me of a candy bar. Ooh, just wait till the palate. The palate is definitely... That caramel, that's like a salted caramel, a little bit of that nuttiness. Mm. Um, it's a payday. Yeah, it's a. This is a. My, I think the palate is by far the positive of this. Everything's oh, good, so, but this is so good. It's definitely a payday candy bar. This has less ethanol on the palate as well. The uh-huh. other one was definitely like I'm numbing your tongue up a little bit. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, this one doesn't have that as much. I really want a payday now. <laughs> That's one of my favorite candy bars. I don't know if I've ever really talked about that. You haven't. But yeah. yeah you I have did. mentioned it a lot. So I wondered. Yeah. Oh, paydays are. Let me tell you. If you are looking for a salty and sweet snack. Payday. There is nothing as satisfying as a payday. Okay. I take payday, that. Payday. Baby Ruth. Nah. Nope. Oh. Nope. Okay. Have, 
I've actually tried to recreate a payday before. Really? Yeah. So it's the weirdest thing. Uh, no one likes candy corn. I'm sorry if you do, but no one I does. I kind of do. I don't mind it. Get out, Perry. It's kind of waxy. <laughs> but. <laughs> but if you mix salted peanuts with uh, candy corn, it actually tastes remarkably similar to a payday. Like if you just do like a oh, trail I mix. I see that. It is so weird. Like I don't. Have you not done that before? I probably have, but I feel like I've had like multiple. I'm like, sure candy corn peanut. It's the weirdest thing. I go to a family <laughs> reunion every year. I don't know half the people there. I'm sorry. I tried, <laughs> but like I They're walk not in. Listening. Yeah, I walk in and I'm like every time in the middle of the table, there's just a jar and it's just full of candy corn and salted peanuts. I look forward to that all year. <laughs> <laughs> It's so good. See, mine's mine's the same thing, except it's in the bowl with the like hand that goes like like you you it's sensor motion, and so it's motion censored, and you put your hand in, and it's like yeah, and I I eat the whole thing. Everyone else is getting like real food, and I'm just sitting there just eating the yeah. whole thing. And there's just like those. What's up, Ann March? Yeah, there's just like those giant pumpkins in there as well that sometimes come in like the mixes. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm gonna save those for last. <laughs> so I eat everything else and just have like a whole bowl of pumpkins. And somebody comes by and like, oh, I love those. Can I take them? And I was like, I will fight you. You get out of here. Yeah, I become the hand. And I'm like, rah, yeah. and I jump on them. Yeah, yeah not having it. <laughs> That's it's all too for me. Good. It's it it is very much a like late fall nose. It is, yeah. Late fall bourbon. And going back to the inconsistency in Taylor, I'm kind of glad because to be able to have this experience with the same expression with what a proof point away is nuts. I mean, that's and they're both so good in their own way. Mm. I'm gonna sound crazy. Mm. It's got a like buttered lobster part on the nose that I, I I know I know I sound crazy, but it's very savory buttery. See for me, I'm a green. Oh, okay. Pro- no, I'm a green on this. <laughs> it's just like I. It's tough to agree because you know, like people listening or oh, like yeah, stuff like yeah. that will be like yeah you guys are crazy i can't believe they would say that but there's such a, f- a like a forward savory note but the butteriness is so present as well and there's maybe just it's more a- of a not a like a buttered lobster but more of like a more of a buttery and then like a c note like a salty note. Okay. Maybe that's I, I more of what that. you're getting. Like a brine. Where I could yeah. understand. Yeah. yeah, it is a little briny. Where yeah. I could understand the the red, the butter. I'm saying red lobster. This is so the buttered weird. lobster. <laughs> this is like lobster. a meal where you take that bowl of peanuts and the candy corn and you take it to red lobster. <laughs> and you sit down. And you throw it in the lobster tank. And you throw it in the lobster <laughs> tank and you feed them. And there's a swan in the water on top of the lobster tank. No. <laughs> yeah. I just want to keep smelling this, man. Oh, me too. It's great. I think the nose is significantly better than the palate is. 
Yeah, and you know, going back to 2017 versus 2018, I think I am getting more mileage out of yours, the 2018 release. Mine, not that it seems one note by any means, but this one, I feel like if I had this once a day for a week and just really did a deep dive into this specific bourbon, it would be very, very different every time I had it. Yeah, I agree. Um, And I think the other one would be consistent, which if you're looking for that, fantastic, but this this is this is something special. Yeah. Uh, the other one, it feels almost now, at least comparatively, closer to a stag, like an actual stag release uh, from the antique oh, collection. Oh, for sure. Uh, w- which I can see that, especially since you're pointing out the fact that it's it's pretty much the reason why they don't do an EH Taylor yeah, in the exactly. antique collection. My final thoughts on the EH Taylor line. I think that it is a really good representation, mainly just because of quality. Of the heritage that Colonel Taylor did leave behind. I say it all the time. Bourbon is, would, would not be what it is today without Colonel Taylor. As a pioneer of the first American food or drink or drug regulation act, you know, it, he, he has to be lauded. He has to be talked about. And... I really do think that Buffalo Trace has done a great job in representing the quality that Taylor tried to set forth um, during the late 1800s. You know, it, it, it was a weird period for bourbon. There were people who, you know, were just trying to sell their whiskey on color and smell without actually, you know providing them with a quality product and he stepped up and said we have to do better by our consumers we have to do better by a product that is an inherent to the american spirit and i i think that you know again buffalo trace did that in such a a positive way in such a fulfilling way we may have issues with the single barrel here or there. We may have issues with the consistency here or there. But I think that overall, it is a really good way of representing his legacy. It is, and I, I think it's important to realize that it's still prevalent, very prevalent today. I mean, look at, you know, at least our favorite craft distillers. What are they putting out? Bottled and bond whiskeys. Bonds. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not just something that you know they've always done, and if you want to pay heritage, you can do it. I mean, it's it's a literal proof of we're putting out quality, and they're still doing it today. So it's definitely it's definitely important for, for sure. to have that bottle and bond on there. Yeah. I mean, I think this line is truly a testament of the longevity of bourbon, just of of the of the regulation and stuff like that, that really makes the greatness of bourbon. Like there's so much history within it. Um, and I think Buffalo trace does a great job with all of this. I mean, honestly, this has been one of the, my favorite lines to go through and to look at, okay, let's look at this, the single barrel. Let's look at the small batch. Like let's look at the, um, you know, the barrel proof. And I really, I'm 
I'm just gonna say it. I think it's one of my favorite lines. Like collectively as a whole, I, think I have to it's agree. One of my favorite lines. I have to agree. Mm-hmm. Um, everything I had tonight was like just so nuanced and so well put. Like I really, I've really enjoyed it. And then also having the ad. <laughs> like the longevity of it too like that's what's really cool is that you know you you just kind of serendipitously fell into that and of course you got to talk about how historic the eh taylor line yeah. is and I, I love that i think oh that's it's crazy because like phenomenal these are these were gentlemen's quarterlies <laughs> that like i found from like the TDN, the thoroughbred, like, just ridiculous. Yeah. Like, things from the 1800s. Like, we found one in 1895. That's wild. I, I, I physically had this in my hand, and I was flipping through, like, looking at different horses and, like, the claims they had. On this thing that I had, it, it said, the good... The perfectness or something of that of hospitality and the health tonic. I mean, come on. Whiskey. Yeah, whiskey. <laughs> That's what it said. It's awesome. Yeah. For medicinal use. Like, it's just awesome. God, I wish I could take my medicine at work. <laughs> right? That'd be Me nice. Me too. Anyway, thank you all so much for listening to this episode all about E.H. Taylor. We are not done yet. We do still have tips and bits. Oh, God. I where, <laughs> As most people do <laughs> on this show, uh, where we recommend uh, certain things. doesn't have to be bourbon necessarily, but... Curtis seems like he has something that he would like to recommend for us. Please go first. <laughs> I got you, Swan. Uh, so for my tips and bits, I am going to say King's Island. A little uh, bit odd. Okay. Interesting. Very specific, too, to this region. Yes. <laughs> but they have many roller coasters that are like world-renowned. Like oh, the Beast. Many. Like not not little, not like many, like many. No, yes, yeah. Yes. Uh huh. So they have the Beast, which is the longest wooden roller coaster yes. ever, which is the best ride. So I say this because I. But it also hurts. Oh, <laughs> I, I love the Beast. No, <laughs> it's abusive. I don't think so. I think it's perfect. Um, it's domestic violence case when it happens. <laughs> it's just terrible. Yeah, but I will recommend the Kings Island because they just recently. So they have the Beast. They've had Diamondback. They've had so many good rides. But they just recently released that they're going to have the longest, the fastest. And uh, the lar- I think it's the largest. It's called a Giga Coaster. I'm not entirely sure what that means. But Me neither, but it sounds official. Sounds really cool. <laughs> they're they going to do a Terra Coaster too? You know, yes. the next step up? <laughs> and it is... <laughs> So it is being built this year, and I can't wait to ride it. I just recently went, so that's my... So theme parks. Yes, theme parks, like the Dragster at Six Flags and Sandusky. Okay. Get on board. Yeah. (laughs) Get on board. (laughs) What an encouragement. (laughs) I got a weird one. 
I thought of it, but I got Well, I don't think it gets weirder than mine. But. It might. It might. So, <laughs> Diane put on a show the other day, and I was I was started watching it, and it was uh, it's called 90 Day Fiance. Have you ever heard of this? Yes. I got obsessed <laughs> with that show. No way. Swan. It's so Swan. There's a guy from Louisville. Hold on. Hold on. Uh, Lucy was earlier watching uh, Say Yes to the Dress. Mm-hmm. Same channel, TLC. And I have struggled so much recently with why 90 Day Fiance is even a thing. It's so funny, though. <laughs> <laughs> that that does not encourage me at all. <laughs> Here's the thing, <laughs> though. Check this out. You, you really hope it's the, the woman meeting the guy that's, you know, outside of the United States because then it's like, oh, they kind of seem like they should be together. It's the guy meeting the woman. When it's the guy meeting the woman, it's like the one of the season I'm watching, it's like, oh, here's a 60-year-old guy dating a girl younger than his daughter. It's like, oh. Let's see how this is going to work out. So the whole premise of the show, in case you don't understand it, is there's a visa that you can apply for in the United States where you basically just go in and... Uh, you have you, you apply for this visa to bring somebody in the United States, and you have ninety days to have them not only assimilate to the United States, but also basically get married for green card status. And once you get over that ninety days, starts the second they hit American soil. So it's basically just their process of that, and it's just ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, I shouldn't like it. You know, it's just <laughs> it's just dumb. <laughs> But I love it. Like it's it's just ridiculous. <laughs> so there's my tips and bits. Oh, and also candy corn and peanuts. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yep. For the record, my fiance loves that show, Eight, 90 Day Fiance. And that she knows like one of the guys that was actually on it. That's so his weird. name was like DJ Skills. <laughs> In Louisville. I don't know if you've gotten to you that. You remember the theory that I was rolling with? I mean, it might still stand, you know, the whole like, you kind of hope it's the woman meeting the guy. I've not gotten to that season yet, so I have no idea. Well, I'm on season one, so tuned. we'll figure it out. I haven't watched any of it, by the way. You're missing out, man. You're missing out. Probably not, but you're missing out. <laughs> All right. Look, <laughs> we're going to get real basic here. Swan. You know this mm-hmm. um, because you've been over here. Oh, I know where this is going. Yeah. Uh-huh. Hit me with it, Perry. <sighs> so we got to talk guilty pleasure shows. There is nothing more guilty than the Bachelor series. And look, so we started watching it ironically a couple of years ago, and we got really into it, and I was like, oh, this is not the bad and then i was like oh it's kind of it's kind of weird and crazy and i'm not so sure about it but i'm in way too deep to get out now and they're in the middle of bachelor in paradise which is basically just a bunch of attractive people going to a beach and trying to find quote-unquote true love and or the bedroom yeah well yeah. Um, it kind of. It's awful. Look. Did you watch? Th- <laughs> I came over on Third Wheeled one night with Perry and Lucy. <laughs> okay. He came over for the first night of it. And it, it was... Um, 
this season's been real bad. That's what I've been told. <laughs> yeah, it's not been good. But uh, overall, it's entertaining, just in terms of, you know, I don't have to think about anything for a little bit. But <sighs> it's easier to get into other people's problems than your own, so I'm all for The Bachelor. <laughs> I'm, I'm all for The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. When it gets to Bachelor you got in Paradise, real on the mic for Bachelorette. Sorry, <laughs> for the Bachelor in Paradise gets a little weird. I have nothing to say at this point, <laughs> so I think it's best for us to wrap up <laughs> this week's episode. Before we go, though, how's the blend? You did a suicide of everything we've had today. Uh, it's fine. Huh, I think okay. it's a little boring, honestly. Me too. It's fine. <laughs> But that's fine, man. I sometimes you said that, that like it was my fault. No, <laughs> I was just curious because there's a lot of good stuff in there. Sometimes that means you've created something phenomenal, or it means that. Uh, no, I, I just it's, think it's okay. It's just mellowed everything out to yeah, the point it really it's not has. great. Yeah, it's mellowed everything out. Anyway, very happy to spend some time talking about E.H. Taylor and the products that have been produced in his honor. Um, yeah. This was kind of a special little episode for us. Again, we're getting closer to episode 100 and two years. I am so, so excited. I cannot believe that we have done 100 episodes of this show. And I've got to contain my excitement. (laughs) It's so wild. 100 episodes. When was the last time that you listened to episode one? Last I actually week. Did. did you really? Really? I did. I did. I did. Really? At, at work. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> How bad? I, it was I different, right? I in, like, somebody that's, like, that wasn't a part of it at the time. So it was funny, because I had recommended the idea that we would do like a bottled and bond showdown essentially. And Perry was like, I really like that. And he took it and kind of picked the ones he wanted. And I was so excited to listen to it. Cause I was like, my hand was in this, but I'm not in it. So, like I, I know the quality, like the, the sound quality changed. is bad. Yeah. yeah. And it's changed. I think honestly, what's changed the most just from being doing the show for the longest is Perry's editing. <laughs> oh, well, okay. Thank yeah. you. So, I mean, it's, <laughs> <laughs> little peek behind the curtain for everybody yeah, who is yeah. uh listening um i do a lot of editing now <laughs> yeah well i mean it's just he's he's refined it you know and there's there's stuff yeah. that we I've, have better microphones too that too that yeah. that's a positive that's yeah. rock band mics were not <laughs> yeah anyways um but i mean it's just <laughs> no it's not no, no okay. i promise <laughs> it's it's changed it's changed a lot and, and for for the better i think just because it it seems like it's really more about now having fun, but also delivering information that's pertinent. Yeah. And uh, before it could, you know, sometimes it would get off the rails. It didn't matter who was fun. on it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it, sometimes. <laughs> but it was, uh, it honestly wasn't that bad. I mean, the, I think now you guys pick out more notes than you used to. It used to be very like, do you okay. like it or not? And now it's yeah. very much like, I know this is going to sound weird, but I'm getting watermelon, red lobster. I'm getting this. Yeah. I'm getting candy corn and peanuts. It's just, so, I mean, you, you do get some of those weird things, but you know, a lot of those times when people get those weird notes, it's like, 
when you you walk into mom's house and she's cooking something you haven't had in 15 years and you're like boom and you're suddenly a five-year-old again yeah that's the kind of stuff that people live for at least for me that's what i I like hearing so just those very specific notes and stuff it's nice to relate back to that so more nostalgia to come (laughs) in the next few weeks but until then thank you all so much for listening it's been a really great episode i've had a lot of fun with it uh if there is anywhere on social media for people to find you guys where can they do that I'm at my bourbon finder on Instagram and Facebook, and that's about all I do. On Instagram, you can find me at KurtCon. On Twitter, Kurt underscore Con 15. If you would like to follow me personally, I am at PRitter1492 on all social media channels. If you would like to follow the show, though, it is at my bourbon pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. If you could give us a five-star rate and review on iTunes, that would be fantastic. It really does help us find new listeners, and expand our audience. And if you don't do that, or if you can't do that, uh, tell your friends about the show. Uh, If you think that they would like to hear more about the bourbon community, about the bourbon industry, I I think we're, you know, we're a good place for, for both of those things. So, yeah, you're already here. I figure that, you know, it's best to expand the community. You can find all of our apparel and merchandise at bourbonshop.threadless.com. We have a couple new designs and a sale going on for Bourbon Heritage Month, which runs all the way through the end of September. So definitely head over there. Again, it's bourbonshop.threadless.com. If you're not yet a part of our Facebook group, head to facebook.com and search for This Is My Bourbon Group. Uh, Just a couple of questions to make sure that you are a listener of the show. And of course, if you are hearing this, you are. But we would be happy to have you as a part of that community. It's so much fun. We're talking about bourbon news and everything that's going on in the bourbon world. But then last but not least... Uh, you can head to patreon.com slash podcast for as little as a dollar a month. You can become a patron of the show. We really do appreciate your contributions to making this show happen every single week, every single month. I know that it is not feasible for everybody, but if you are able to do that, we really do appreciate it. And if you can... At certain tiers, you get things like bonus episodes. You get to hang out with us uh, via Hangout. Uh, You get live streams. There are so many different benefits that you can get from being a patron over at patreon.com slash Podcast. I think that about does it, though, for this week. Thank you all so much for listening one more time. We're getting into festival season. Uh, festival episodes are coming up. We got Hometown Rising and Bourbon and Beyond coming up very, very soon. So be on the lookout for those. Until then, I'm Perry. I'm Curtis. And I'm Swan. And this is my Bourbon Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>